Well, hello and welcome to This Is Not The Way. It's the first edition for 2024. My name's Courtney and I've got Chris with me. Good afternoon. So what we want to do is set the scene for 2024, Chris, and uh, just touch on a few key topics of what's driving you nuts, but also a little bit of a reflection. You know, what have you been learning, consuming, whether reading or watching? Uh, Over the break? Yeah. I went to Japan. That's excellent. I went, no, no, it was interesting going to Japan and um, I broke my leg at the end of last year and so my family went skiing in Japan and I couldn't, but I still went and flew the opposite direction from the cold and the ice and then had this interesting 10 or 11 days on my own in a society that I don't understand at at all. I I, I don't know much about it. I've only been there for very quick trips and uh, it was good to not have the language it was amazing what tech's done to be able to hold a phone and slowly have a conversation with someone just typing in to translate google translate's got a lot better too and and turning the phone around and giving them the what's it called hiragani so not the kanji like the chinese characters but the hiragani that just gives you the sounds they need and they read that and so the phonetically they've they've got now got the Japanese and they understand and they give something back to you. And you try lines. I can I can say sentences, but of course when they go, yeah, blah, 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 then they like, reply. Ah, I don't understand. <laughs> but that that's just wow. It, that it's, it's a huge transformation. I I learned a lot of questions in French. And so 10, 12 years ago when we were in France, I would ask a lot of questions and then be completely stumped. People would reply in French. And I was like, sorry, no, I only know the question. <laughs> yeah, I've, practiced, I've practiced one side but, of it um, only. Yeah, when we were in Europe a bit over a year ago, the kids would hold up their phones to, in, we we're in the subway stations, wherever it might be. If a sign was up, if an advert was up, it would translate the whole advert. It could jump into pictures, it could pull it apart. It told you exactly what was going on, which was phenomenal and enabling and a little bit, it took a bit of the mystery away. Uh, I think in the old days, you know, they used to have the Bible in Latin and everyone did it in Latin and no one understood it, so it was quite mysterious. Then they started reading it in the, the native tongue and people were like, oh, that's not so exciting. It's not as, wow. It's extraordinary. So one last question on Japan. I, I'm i really intrigued by I've only been there once and only for a few days, but in terms of this idea of power distance in, in culture, like Australians, we're very familiar. You know, if you meet the CEO, you might say, g'day, Bob, we ha- we have a prime minister called Skomo, for example, <laughs> on oh, your know, elbow. Like, but the Japanese, their their etiquette and hierarchy is very textured and layered. Did you experience that? I, I think you'd you'd have to be there a fair bit longer to directly experience it. You and I certainly have talked about it in terms of ethics, company failures, uh, Toshiba misrepresenting profits. There was a there was a crisis, a political crisis, when I was over there. The 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 Prime Minister Kashida's not popular, but also they've had a not so much a branch stacking as we would call it in Australia, but a um, a funding I think crisis. So unethical practices about how political parties get their funding. Uh, and I didn't know the details, but it's interesting. They so uh, which way have I got it? A large power distance, yeah, part to their mm. culture, yeah. and you do not really challenge 
people older than you, let alone just people in authority, but then things still go horribly wrong. And this this had obviously been building up this behaviour for quite a while, but it doesn't get brought out into the open until it's a massive It, it tends problem. to have to explode, doesn't it? And, I mean, even in Australia, we, we call things out, I think, quite well and there's a much less power distance, but we still have lots of trouble like we see it with the surgeons. You know, if you're a doctor or a surgeon, you get to abuse and exploit those underling trainees um, because there's still this respect for the higher ups, the authority, the older people. It's still hard to call out people who are elder. And so you can see why these abuses fester because no one has the confidence to say anything. Um, I don't want to label it as a Japanese issue, but it, it gives us a nice little link into the British or the UK post office scandal that's been in the news. The scandal actually took place probably 20 years ago and then came to light quite a few years ago, but it's back in the news. There was a uh, Fujitsu helped prepare some software for running these British post offices. And then uh, something like 900 post office employees who sort of own and manage these, these post offices were convicted, sent to jail for fraud because the numbers didn't add up in the account. So sometimes mm. it was £3,000, sometimes £70,000. Now, these people claimed they were innocent. Now, Fujitsu, the software provider, came out and actually supported the post office doing these prosecutions. But it turns out that the software had bugs. There wasn't fraud. And not only was there no fraud, but Fujitsu helped put these people in jail. Exactly. Dan, which button do I press? Hang on. Okay, you, you didn't hear that, but my <laughs> headphones did, and that was very loud. I actually heard it through the headphones. <laughs> so, okay, so uh, I have not read about this as much. I've only briefly looked at it. That that means that the courts must have heavily relied on Fujitsu's evidence because these people have been taken to court. They get lawyers. It is a it is an independent justice system in the UK, so they were hopefully fairly represented. And those lawyers would do the right thing and start to look for challenges as to how this could occur. What, what is the situation where their client is innocent and it's a bugger up of numbers? It's extraordinary because everyone trusts the accounting system. Numbers shouldn't lie. The, if, if there's $3,000 short at the end of the day, someone must have stolen it. That's, this is how banks operate all the time. Banks know if a, a teller has stolen $5. And, and so there's this inherent deep trust of the system. Systems are programmed, so how could a program put numbers in the wrong buckets? And so, you know, 900 people in jail, 2,000 people affected, people, suicides, mental health breakdowns, family breakdowns, because you think you're you're married to someone and it turns out they're a thief, except now we find out they're not. So whole communities ostracising these people who've done nothing wrong. And what's extraordinary, I would, you know, when I think through the logic of it, how would you investigate? Well, if you've stolen this money, it has to end up in your bank account or your expenditure. You should be able to track it. Like exactly. A, yeah. You but, generally see these things in yeah. purchases. Yeah. But everyone's everyone went in with a false assumption that the system must be right. And there's Fujitsu. You can trust them. It's a complete breakdown of the legal system to me. I don't I don't know the cases and how they occurred, but exactly that. It, it must have been challenged. My client there is no evidence that they have made any purchases. So where they've sent the money to the Caymans, these are post office yeah. employees and, and this and isn't owners. just one post office. This no. is 900 different post offices, all experiencing the same times of fraud. So, yeah. so think about this. You're in the government. You've appointed, uh, you've purchased this software, you've done something, and, of course, that could look bad. So what do you do? Smash those people. 
you don't you don't uncover it or investigate further. You just lock them up. And Isn't nobody that, from Fujitsu will go to jail. Probably not. They might bow and apologise, but I can't see it. No, no, no one will go to jail and no one will be charged within the government for absolutely they knew and absolutely Fujitsu would have off record advised them, oh, there could be a real issue here. And the simple decision was we don't want to wear the flak for this. We'll put innocent people in jail. These people have it's no disgusting. power. These poor individual people in their local communities have no weight to, That's right. to stop us. And and I guess if you ever watch John Wick, you can see why John Wick and Rambo and these movies are just so satisfyingly wonderful. We live in a world where bad stuff happens. And then you think, That's okay, the law courts will protect me and defend me. But nope, they don't. You get screwed. And so we dream up vengeance movies that make us feel better but it doesn't fix anything. (laughs) (laughs) Are you saying that John Wick and those sorts of movies uh, are created to make us feel better, to to give us an alternative reality to what generally would happen to us, which is we're completely screwed and and no one ever comes to exact revenge? Okay, so imagine a kid. They've just had a rubbish day at school, right? They've been picked on, they got pushed over in the playground and everyone tells them, you know, stand up to bullies and then they got their nose punched in, right? So there's a bit of snot and blood and tears. And he goes home and he watches Karate Kid, this loser of a kid who somehow magically wax on, wax off, kicks the bad guy's ass. (laughs) He feels like a million bucks, you know? And uh, that's, that's how we live. You watch Rambo, bad guy's... You know, come after me and I take them out one by one by one and I feel amazing. Well, Rambo 1 and 2 was good. Rambo 3, I think he went to Afghanistan. That was just they, – they tried to get him to act. They actually tried to feed him lines. It was yeah. it was awful. It was bad. So, okay, so that's rant number one. That's me in the post office. But I want to ask you your biggest rant and uh, you've got someone called Steph you want to have a <laughs> chat about. Uh, yes, a much much smaller issue, but um, a woman by the name of Stephanie Trethaway, who is uh, was perhaps because the awards are over a, a nominee for Australian of the Year. That's really really good. Anyway, it, it turned out though that she is also part owner of a meat company called the Local Meat Company in Tasmania, um, and they have an abattoir. And animal rights activists got in there. They set up cameras, as sometimes does occur. Um, and took images and video of some pretty awful practices. The thing that was really disappointing is that just after that, Stephanie then got rid of her financial share by changing paperwork, obviously. It's her and her husband. And she just removed herself from company ownership. And you know, in one way, that's pretty much admitting guilt. But then yeah. she went further. Of course, they were going to be asked questions to straight away, oh, well, I have nothing to do with that business. And then the journalists being okay ones, I guess, they dig slightly further, would take about 30 seconds. Mm. You have nothing to do with this business as of three days ago. Mm. Oh, well, I also have – I knew nothing about the operations. And so the bit that really – it eggs me, it it just gets me so frustrated is, okay, so you got the right to be a director of a company Mm -hmm. but know nothing about the company. It's just that – yeah. Willful blindness. Well, it's willful blindness and 
You know, what I love here is you could just about say, okay, well, it's time to prosecute because one of the director's duties is to be informed as to the activities of the organisation. So you've just stood up and said, I have breached my director's duties. So I'd love to be able to trundle along, lock them up as the corporate policeman and send them off to corporate jail. That would be extraordinary, (laughs) wouldn't it? Anyone who claims willful blindness, fantastic. It's a bit like if you drive off, if, if there's a random breath testing station, if you drive off, okay, well, you avoided being found guilty of drink driving. But the penalty for evading a drink driving test is greater. And that's what should happen here. So, yeah, you can do your I don't know what happened. Great. So so the normal penalty might be 10 grand or three months in jail for breaching the law. But because you had no idea, it's it's 100 grand and six years in jail. I reckon people's memories would come back very promptly. Yeah, maybe. And and this wasn't her um, dissolving her part of the business in in order to avoid prosecution. This was simply about, oh, I've been nominated for the Australian of the Year. This is bad PR. Yeah, bad PR. And so, again, it's yeah. it, it's just so selfish, isn't it? It's just that. Yeah. And, and that, th- there's an extraordinary naivety. It, it's a bit like uh, if you if you see the interviews of people who've been on a reality TV show, like, oh, I'm going to get married at first sight. I'm going to meet someone I've never met, marry them, and then everyone can watch us try and, you know, interact or hook up and then wonder why TV painted me in a bad light and everyone thinks I'm a loser. Uh, but people put themselves out there. Oh, I've been nominated for Australian of the Year. Fabulous. At, at what point do you think, hmm, people are going to look at me, check, investigate? Am I worthy of being held up to the light? Am I going to be like if you're going to do that? Oh, I, I'm just stunned at the simplicity of thinking that takes place. I, I would hope I'd be a bit more strategic. I would divest all of my, you know, I don't know, my war investments and my whatever else I've got, which I don't have. But if I did, I would clean up house before I put my name forward for an amazing award. I guess you just don't think about it coming back to bite you until you get to that point of, um, yeah, of putting yourself forward. And even then you just hope no one will find any of that history. Which brings no. us to, uh, well, climate change. Climate change is here. You made an interesting point when we were chatting earlier. Um, it's kind of fine for those wealthy enough to adapt to it. We'll just adapt. But what about the people who can't? Yes, what about them? Well, what do you recommend to them? Uh, I recommend that probably they... Um, read Rosa Luxemburg and figure out how to do a revolution because they will true. continue to be screwed for forever. So Australia's going to be okay. We've got a bit of money. We can build some, I don't know, barriers to the ocean coming and flooding us. But north of us, we've there's a lot of people living on islandy kind of things. Will they get annoyed and want to <laughs> move? Yeah, they're, they're going to have to move. Tuvalu uh, tragically is, is going to go underwater. I mean, do you... Do you try and address the highest per capita emitters, which is us? Mm. I think we've actually overtaken the US, which is really sad. Um, do you try and just focus on the highest gross emitters, which is obviously China, mm. India, um, and well, actually no, not Africa. It's it's really those I two. I think China Asian and countries. India add the US in, and and that's where yes, it all is. Sorry, but that's you're not going to shift the dial on that for decades. So you're, you're we're into mitigation. Now and I mean Indonesia, I think it's is it Java. the The capital city is going to be underwater. It's it's sinking. They're going to supposedly move it, but what if they just move country, move location? There's they like are 110 million people. Mm-hmm. They're moving Jakarta to the island of Borneo. Mm. They've given up on a whole city. I'm surprised how little news this gets. It it's 
amazing to me. And it, it kind of shows how we tune out to these massive crises and put it out of mind that it doesn't even get anything newsworthy. They are giving up on their capital city, on their main and island, yeah. and they are moving to, to Borneo, which is pretty much a jungle island that still has some orangutans in the wild left that obviously won't after mm. this occurs. And they're moving their capital because it's sinking and it's going underwater. So we could do some preemptive archaeology. We could go there now. Before it's underwater, like Atlantis, <laughs> round two. Like, but you know how we're always looking for Atlantis? We know where it is. It's here. It's like, well, yeah. let's take photos and, I don't know, gather artifacts before it floods. Jakarta will be the first large Atlantis. Okay, good point. That's good. I wonder what you could do. Like maybe everyone gets a um, scuba diving equipment and then they can just stay where they are but breathe underwater. <laughs> how long does it take to evolve gills? I'm uh, not. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I just know that the current strategy isn't working. So you got to sometimes you got to think laterally. <laughs> Where is this going? Oh, 2024. All right. So insurance, last topic for the day. Uh, you love insurance. I don't have a rant on insurance. I just was in the car the other day listening to yet another bunch of people that can't get insurance. Insurance-wise, some, some things aren't insurable. Insurance is an economic transaction. You... You take out insurance with me if you spread the risk amongst a lot of people, invest it wisely, and then occasionally when bad things happen, you pay a few people out. But guess what? It's not occasionally bad things happen. Um, if anyone looks at Queensland, it tends to spend most of its time trying to reenact Jakarta. Like it just is underwater all the time and it's going to keep being underwater. So how do you ensure that? You can't insure unless there's profit at the end. So then the government needs to step in. If, if we work in an open market. So, yes, yeah. that, that's where so my thoughts gov- have got the, to. So the, the, it's, a, it's a broken market. So we talk about free markets and blah, blah, blah. Heaps of um, parts of the economy aren't free markets. So when that happens, government steps in. It can regulate. It can be the, the lender of last resort. It can be the insurer of last resort. It can put in the baseline. You know, Obamacare does that sort of from a health insurance perspective in the United States. So, yeah, we need to ensure that. But even the government's not going to want to do that. No. But it also doesn't want to stop people building houses in certain places that shall remain, remain unnamed. <laughs> You're going to say it. I no, I'm not going to say, say it. it. No. Say it. We Be- haven't said And it. we can't say it anymore because there's so no. many other places there's on that, top yeah. of that place yeah. Yeah. and those people I feel so sorry for, it's the government that pisses me off for saying, just go back to where you were. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Because who wouldn't want to keep the house they grew up in or the house they bought in the same location? Yeah. Sometimes we do need other adults to say to us, you just can't do this anymore and it's yeah. tragic but you need to build somewhere, somewhere else. else. In but the exa- that doesn't But occur. the same way, industries. Okay, so the coal mining industry in Victoria is going to have to shut down. So let's all pretend and say nothing about that for 10 years, not retrain anyone in those areas like Gippsland. Yeah. And then watch them get all devastated when it's announced and say, oh, it's not fair and you've ruined our lives. Well, we knew it was coming. Why did we not spend 10 years? It takes three years to do another apprenticeship. You can do mature age apprenticeships and support people with government funding. You can you can transition. You can help people move house. There are new places to move to. Yep. The you know, I, I, I chatted to a fellow the other day involved in bus companies. Buses are going electric. So guess what? If you're a diesel mechanic, that's great for this year and five years and 10 years and 15 years, and then it won't be great. So you're going to have to move into a different realm. 
Now you can either go kicking and screaming or you can charge ahead and be ready and adaptable. It's, it's the same kind of issue. So should there be exploitation? No. Can you force commercial people to insure? No. But should government be there? Absolutely. And they're not. Well, I don't know what else you can do. You're, you're right. The market's become broken because the, the, the price to the consumer is just so high or they're told we will just not insure you. It is a, it's yeah. a simple calculation yeah. for insurance company. You collect premiums, you pay out liabilities, yeah. and you also look at your future actuaries, which just simply means you look at the probability of those liabilities going up or down or changing. Mm. Climate change, they have plenty of people in those companies working on what do we think the increase will be. It's astronomical. Yeah. We know that. Yeah. And so they turn around to the point of saying, I'm sorry, you people, we cannot, will yeah. not, it's not financially viable for us to insure you anymore. Mm. You can't just tell all those people, right, you've got to up and move no. immediately. Maybe they don't, but I don't know who else can step in to provide what maybe should be seen as a public good other than the well, government. Well, look, the government is already self-insuring it. The government does it. Every time there's a big flood, what does the government do? They release $750 million yeah. in flood relief funding, which is exactly what's needed, and it's right. I don't disagree with that. What's frustrating as hell is that they don't release the $750 million before the flooding, the preemptive flood mitigation. Like, imagine if we'd actually solved some of these Government problems. is always reactive because as soon as they say we're going to do this as a plan, mm. then the other political parties will go, yeah. well, that's outrageous. You should yeah. be spending the money on blah. That's right. Blah. So then you need your grandfathering clauses, which is we're going to provide insurance for you for the next seven years, right? And at the end of seven years, you're on your own. And, and, and it's got to taper down. So it's kind of like at the end of this seventh year, you better be gone. Wow. Yeah. Would we not, looking at the floods that we're getting every year, if not every second year, then when we come out of this, we'll go back to a bushfire season like we have never seen before. Yeah. At what point will this actually end up with massive migration? Mm. Well, well, we got it with COVID. Everyone from Victoria moved to Queensland. Yeah. Because uh, we've always been told Queensland's beautiful one day, perfect the next. And and often it is, but often it's not. <laughs> not anymore. You know, so Victoria, where I live, I mean, I live in the hills. Uh, there's a very good chance that in the future, if we have some major bushfires through here, it may be a time where they don't build here again. It makes sense to, you know, flatten, get rid of all the trees, build your suburbs and suburb places and don't go and live in the highly flammable, flammable eucalyptus tree area. Mm. That's that's just disciplined thinking. It takes away from our freedom to do whatever we want. But what's funny is everyone wants all this freedom, but if something goes wrong, they want the CFA protecting their house straight away. Yep. And they want insurance to cover all the costs of everything that went wrong. Or they crowdfund. You don't have a GoFundMe page. If you want to be tough and resilient, go and do that. But then don't have a little suki la la and call for the government to fix all your problems. It, one or the other, yeah. Yeah, but that requires us facing and those sort of conflicts and talking with our loved ones and making those decisions and we're not very good at doing it. No, we, we wait till we're squished before we, we do the necessary and, that look, that's human nature. But the problem with that is, and it's happening with climate change mitigation, we will get there. Humans are very innovative, but the weakest and the poorest are going to be hurt the most and the wealthiest will coast along. Mm. And that's just not good. And in the next podcast, when you talk about rules, you're going to be exploring this stuff. We're going to look at things like the veil of, um, you know, the veil of ignorance and, and how would you plan a world if you didn't know in which country and which family you were going to be born in? 
Well, thank you for that heads up that I'm going to talk about rules. It's going to be phenomenal. <laughs> right, okay. So the last We have th- never planned the next podcast. That's, we're, we're, that's a we're first. Pumped. So the two things we're going to talk about in the next podcast, rules and Ted Lasso. And uh, <laughs> this is very important. And the final thing we're going to end on today is the cello. And the reason why you need to know this is the cello is complicated, harder than it looks, and uh, fascinating because when you learn new things, one of the things you realise is you don't know very much at all. And it's a little bit humbling and a bit humiliating, and but it's also exciting. And so what we find when we teach accounting students is not everyone's very curious. They don't really want to learn. They don't like to be stretched or twisted or bent, but mm. the growth and the learning comes from that. So what have you learned in the last year that has been hard to learn but satisfying in the end? Oh, just dealing with my family. Can that, <laughs> can that be part of it? Absolutely. I learned that playing basketball can end up with unintended consequences of breaking your frigging leg mm. and having to be operated on and that it's a very slow recovery when you're about to hit 50. Yeah. And I think there's a we, – we take for granted when we feel good and well. We don't notice mm. it. And then once you have back pain or you break a leg, you just realise how flippin' lucky you are when all your bits and pieces work really well. Yep, you're right. That's what I learned right near the end of the year. But that is exactly what I learned. Yeah. So I think if, if a few more people just took a moment and uh, reflected on what's going well for them in their day. So if you're driving right now, just – List the three or four things like, you know, you've probably got a slurp in your hand, maybe a bag of twisties. That's good. Enjoy life. No, no, and that's uh, not good. You don't, you don't drive no. with a slurp in your hand and a bag of twi- – so the bag of twisties is in the other hand mm. and your knees are just, you know, balancing yeah. that steering wheel. I Fantastic. Multitasking. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So you, you'll be sipping on your kombucha and chewing on a celery stick and uh, just <laughs> – just be thankful for the the awesome things like your bits and pieces are working mostly. Yeah. Yes. There you go. All right. So it's been a pleasure. Welcome back to 2024. Woo-hoo. I hope you're all excited. There are many, many exciting things as uh, this year unfolds. Uh, the United States will ha- be having an election and uh, that will be glorious for everyone. UK is having an election. India is having an election. It is It's big election year if you like your politics. Yeah. We're going to have fun talking elections and Olympics and just as exciting on the 29th of February, we get to celebrate a leap year. Oh, right. Yeah. Are the Olympics on? We just had Olympics. Yeah, because they were the delayed Olympics. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. I didn't watch any of it. Right. The Olympi- Where are the Olympics? <laughs> I, I actually have no idea. I was going to say Tokyo, but that was the last no, one. No, that, that I do know that was the last one. All right, one. so we are learned and wise and clever okay. people, but don't ask us oh. where the Olympics are. Okay, we'll, we'll get our first right, right in to oh, – we don't even have an email address. Right oh, into Chris – 555. No, 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 no. Right into chris at keq.com.au. Mm-hmm. Just slam my, my work inbox. box. 